Pibidio, open the cargo bay doors. We're, we're only a few parsecs away from the Plato got system. Yes, yeah, I know a parsec is a unit of distance, not time. Can we talk about it later, though? We need to get in so we can record. Beep, 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 beep. I swear we can talk about droid liberation if you just open the cargo bay doors. Oh, boy. Beep, beep. Hello, and welcome to The Cargo Bay, a conversation podcast being transmitted to you from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I am Brady C., and I am here with my co-host... Adam B. Boom! And today we are talking about (laughs) probably the most famous Star Wars movie of all time, Solo, a Star Wars story. That's right. This is the one BC when I'm like, Mom, I'm going to watch Empire Strikes Back. And later she comes she comes in. She's like, how was Solo? Or I say, Mom, I'm watching Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh, you mean Solo. <laughs> the yeah. famous Solo. So, so famous. Anyway, we'll get into it. It's It's a Star Wars movie. Actually, it's a Star Wars story that happens to be a movie. <laughs> it's right there in the title. Um... So get everyone get excited for that. Be prepared. We are going to spoil that and just a bunch of stuff from the general Star Wars universe. So uh, be aware of that. Uh, if you're digging what you're hearing now, go back and check out some of our older episodes. We've done episode one, two, three, and we've even done an instant reaction to the Kenobi trailer that ages gracefully like a fine wine. Uh, That's so, crazy. So even though the reaction was instant... It's also timeless. As far as major major motion picture releases go, we're working our way straight through the old timeline. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, liked, <laughs> I liked your flying hand. I wish... Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, go check out the YouTube video for the flying hand alone that Adam <laughs> just gave us as we were flying through the timeline. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess there are, there are parts in uh, Rogue One that are earlier in the timeline than true, this true yeah uh it does but it, you know the bulk mostly. of the story is is taking place after this and right before a new hope so directly <clears throat> before but forget all that because we're only concerned with our buddy han you mean hand hand <laughs> and the wookie hand the wookie uh hand's girlfriend hands uh Mentor, kind of scumbag father figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all all your favorites are there. His buddy and uh, his buddy's robo friendo. Yeah, they're all there. It's everyone. You all know <laughs> I'm good them. at podcasting. We're so good at podcasting. <laughs> so let's let's pull up the data files from all the way back in May 2018, which is when this movie came out. Uh, I believe wow. this is between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Uh, That's correct. Yeah. In in the Earth timeline. I remember seeing this movie. This was the only movie I saw on the island of Manhattan uh, while I was oh. living in New York. I saw several movies on Long Island, but this was the only movie that I was like, oh, I'm going to be in Manhattan today. I've got nothing else to do. Uh, there was a friend who was visiting town. 
she was a big Star Wars fan. I'm like, let's just go see Solo. So we went to the the AMC up by Lincoln Center on the big old like ginormous IMAX screen and saw Solo. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was like how it, many people were in there? It was a lot. It was it was, was that's w- awesome. It was one of the biggest theaters I think I've ever been in. Um, it was huge, um, and like it was cool seeing it on a, a giant screen. Um, so my initial kind of memory is like the spectacle of it was nice, you know, the being in New York always adds a certain like energy to anything that you're doing. And then I remember just kind of being like, that was a, that was a Star Wars story was my overall <laughs> takeaway. <laughs> Wasn't my favorite Star Wars story, but it was a Star Wars story. Yeah, I, I think pretty similarly, uh, I was not looking forward to this movie, Um the moment that Han Solo, spoiler alert, hey, the moment that for episode seven, the moment Han Solo dies in episode seven, I was like, mostly felt relief. I was like, good, he's untouchable. This was a good movie for Han. End, end this chapter and now don't screw him up. Like, now you can't screw him up because he's dead, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> And then immediately they were like, we're going to do a Han Solo movie. And I was like, no, (laughs) that's exactly what I don't want. Don't do that. (laughs) But, you know, I try not to be a a spoil sport, a a sour puss, a a frozen tawny ton. So I I went in with an open mind. But I I saw all of the the Star Wars sequels um, on opening night at the... Arclight Cinema Dome in Hollywood, which nice. is it's like a unique, cool theater downtown Hollywood. It was cool to see all those there. And I saw Rogue One at the Chinese Theater. Oh. And this one, I was just like, maybe even a week after it had been out, which is wild for me with the Star Wars. I was like, let's yeah. go check it out. Also at an AMC just down the street. Yep. Um, uh, Figaro and I watched it uh, together kind of I guess earlier in our relationship than now. It's mm-hmm. been a long time ago. Yeah. And we both were like, yeah, that was, that was a fun movie. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was good. Uh, but also, like, I didn't care. <laughs> you know, like, I didn't yeah, think yeah. anything was bad about it. I just, I haven't seen it since. Um, or I tried to watch it once and got about halfway through and yeah, I, fell asleep. It, but it's fine. I don't think it's a very hateable movie unless you're just a, a Star Wars Unless you're one of the, unless you're one of those folks, um, yeah. Unless you really want to be mad about things, I mean, there are th- some things to be mad about. Let's but. be fair, yeah. There are there are things to genuinely be mad about. Um, I, but I, I think a lot of what our sort of adventure here is with the cargo bay is like, why be mad about something that is a space opera that generally brings us a lot of joy? Um, yeah, there's so much negativity in fandom in general that it's like why are you here it, like if you just want to like <laughs> take a dump on everything like go watch something else stop talking about it <laughs> yeah. go enjoy something as opposed to just being like i want to hate this i want to hate it so hard that i want everyone to know how much i hate it. it's like okay you psycho like i'm gonna watch this movie that i hate at least three or four times <laughs> i really don't like this and i'm gonna watch it again and tell everyone why i don't like it that that's a that's one of the things for me when i am being a critic of star wars is like i try to remember as far as i'm concerned a movie's goal is to be worth your ticket price going in right yeah. and this is a perfect example of like 
yeah, this was worth my ticket price. I had a good time watching it. And you know what? A movie isn't supposed to hold up to scrutiny after seven watches or whatever, you know? Some movies have plot holes, and it's totally fine because you don't think about them until later or never. You consume the entertainment and, and move on. Uh, and that's something I don't think I've I've really thought about a whole lot is that, like, but it's so true. Most things are meant to be consumed. It's not like... I'm writing this so that it holds up to some peon 17th viewing of this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, okay, that level of like thinking probably doesn't go into a lot of storytelling where it's like, this has to be good for that troll who lives in Detroit the 19th times he watched it so he can't, you know, slam me on the internet. It's like, watch it one time and then enjoy it. If it's worth the price of admission, great. I think I probably, this is probably the most I paid for a movie ticket just because it, I was in New York and it was a giant IMAX screen, you know? So it's like, but I didn't walk away being like, oh man, I'm so mad I spent that money to watch this movie. I was like, that was fun. It was enjoyable. It's not the best Star Wars movie, but I had a good time. Yeah, if this, if this somehow could exist without the context of every other Star Wars, like, I understand that this is built on the context yeah, of yeah, Star yeah. Wars, but if this is just a movie that existed out in the universe, I think, you know... I think this one would be one that was like, ah, it's a good sci-fi movie. Yeah. Maybe I like episode two and episode three more. Mm -hmm. We won't find out until later in the uh -huh. podcast. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> but I think in those ways, episode two and three are, are maybe would be less, uh, less enjoyed by most. Um, mm -hmm. And I think our worst films. <laughs> I... I, I won't tell you if I agree or disagree until later in the podcast. That's right. Uh, so we've given a, sort of our brief initial critical response. I want to go to one of our favorite segments here on the Cargo Bay, which is the critics' response. Um, unfortunately, this is... And let's take a, a brief pause. This is the first of the movies that we have gone over where Roger Ebert is no longer with us to review those movies for us. R.I.P. Mr. Ebert. His website is still very much alive, but he's not uh -huh. re he's not reviewing anymore because he is no longer with us. Uh, so I'm just well, gonna... you know, with the way Star Wars has been going with this deep faking, they could deep fake a Star Wars review like that. Not <laughs> a problem. Back, yeah, that, back here. Just uh, download every single review he's ever done, and then throw a word jumble <laughs> Put it into an AI. <laughs> yeah, but let the AI watch the movie, and then it'll write a review. <laughs> Will wonders never cease as I sit at the Dairy Queen? Uh, so, so I've gone to our old friend A.O. Scott uh, from the New York Ayo. Times. A.O. 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 Who said, uh, this is his the beginning of his review. He quotes the movie, This was never about you, someone says to Han Solo, which is odd since the movie is called Solo. I don't want to make this about <laughs> me, but there are a lot of questions that in the 41 years since I saw the first Star Wars movie, Fine. The fourth one. A New Hope. Jeez. He's being funny. Oh, scamp, yeah. It had never occurred to me to ask, where did Han Solo get his last name? How did he and Chewbacca meet? What was the winning hand in the game of Sabacc that gave him possession of the Millennium Falcon? How exactly did he make the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs? Solo, A Star Wars Story answers all of these questions and more. This isn't a bad thing, but it makes this episode directed by Ron Howard from a screenplay by Jonathan Kasdan and Lawrence Kasdan a curiously low-stakes blockbuster... In effect, a filmed Wikipedia page. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, hmm. yeah. It's fine. Let's not forget. <laughs> it's fine. Ao famously says Ooh. episode three is better than episode four, so that's one of Ao's hot takes. It's very hot. 
Um, but I don't know. I, I tend to agree with his analysis uh, generally um, on things. Although I will say, I, I think there's a big difference between like wondering about Han Solo's last name, which I definitely never did. Right. But absolutely, I wondered how he met Chewbacca. Like, yeah. <laughs> or how he made the Kessel run. Like, yeah. I, I Those... think a lot of people have thought about that before. Well, uh, AO's not a very deep thinker. I think uh, we can all agree on that. I want some examples of the questions he was asking. Like, what, what kind of titty this blue milk? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of underpants does Han Solo wear? Who does the <laughs> dentistry work on Corellia? Um, you know, those are the the hard hitting questions that he was looking to be answered. I guess, it, and I think his point is taken, and and we can jump into our yeah. our balancing the force as we uh, sort of get into what we like maybe what we don't like what's uh what treads on the light side what strays to the dark uh as we talk about solo and i think for me and just jumping piggybacking off of his review there i just want to pose uh, i just want to pose the question was it necessary is solo a star wars story a necessary thing i don't think that it is i'm not mad that it exists but definitely i'm like I don't know if this is... There was a lot of money and resources that went into this project that is fine, right? It's fine, but I don't watch it. I don't, I don't seek this movie out the way that I do the other Star Wars movies. Right. And I and when I was so excited about like the potential of Star Wars stories, meaning like kind of could be a corner of the universe film... Right. Uh, you know, I, I like Rogue One, and I uh, I like the, what, what Rogue One did. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that was another one where it was like, man, can't we go somewhere weird? Uh, yeah. But this especially, like, can't we go somewhere super weird? Can't we have a political drama about Jar Jar? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jar Jar in office? That's not actually what I want. But, you know, I would love to see something in a different genre to a degree. Uh, at some point it would yeah. be awesome i mean i guess i there i thought about the questions like how did he meet you know chewbacca tell me more about the kessel run i don't know that i ever was like clamoring for a movie it's just right. one of those things that's fun to exist in your imagination where it's like oh right. i get to answer those questions for myself like part of the intriguing thing about han solo is is the kind of the general mystery that exists around him when you first meet him in a new hope yeah as, like as a kid, Han Solo kind of scared me. Like when because Han shot first when I saw that movie. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, yeah, like, yeah. Back when back when we saw it, back, he was uh, back, a cold blooded. Yeah, like when guy. you first see it, you see him shoot someone. You're like, uh, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this guy right now. Because I, I mean, I was so young, and just like the morality of that to to someone who's like, I don't know what I must have been like six or seven or something. You know. So I didn't have a whole lot of experience with violence in in movies. And he's he's yelling at our hero immediately. Yeah, like has like kind of grouch energy. Yeah, as oh. a young child, I identify and was like, uh, "That's scary." That yeah. represents people who are mean to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's he's kind of a bully, and I'm young and feel like I'm constantly being bullied. Um, and then as you age away from, or at least as I age away from, like, the love of Luke Skywalker for a brief period, you know, Han's really perfect for that transition into your angst if you're still going to hang on to Star Wars or whatever. Or it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's much cooler yeah. than Luke. 
even though he doesn't have a lightsaber. Yeah, it, it just feels like this movie, it's not like it's going out of its way to ruin the mystery of Han Solo, but a lot of what it does is like, let's answer questions that can take away some of the imagination, some of the mystery. I mean, we were all wondering how Han got his last name. I It's because he was by himself. Han Solo. Done. <laughs> the end. You know what I mean? Like, Han, mm, all by yourself. Han, all by yourself. Um, yeah, it's just, one, it's just one of those things like there's there's a lot of things in this that I enjoyed having my imagination run wild with them. And then, and it's not that it does it poorly in this movie. It's just that like, it's different. It's different than how, how I would have imagined it. It's still entertaining though, which I think is to the film's credit. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you uh, on all counts there, BC. Let's let's talk about it. Let's uh, let's do what we do on the cargo bay: balance the force, which just means we're going to try to talk about equal parts good and bad of this movie as best we can, as we do with every movie. Uh, What's your and and what? let me tell you, this one I do have very easily even parts, kind of good and bad listed yeah. here. So I'm excited to talk about it. I think this movie. I... Because I'm thinking, I'm already down the road a little bit, like, how much bad stuff are we going to pull out about, like, A New Hope and Empire? We'll find. We can right. nit- we can nitpick just for the sake of balancing the force. But there's a lot yeah. of material here where it's like, some of this is, is poopy. Some of it's really good. But, like, on, on it, this this feels like a down-the-line balanced movie that doesn't, that doesn't go full Jedi, doesn't go full Sith. It's just kind of like... Right in the balance zone. Um, so why don't you right. why don't you hit me with a light side? Let's be positive. Give, hit, All right, hit me with a well, light side. We want to talk about a light side. I will talk about what was initially my favorite part of this film, which is when Kira, 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 the mother of dragons <laughs> from. Kira from the Game mother of, of Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when she says that she uh, is basically a master of Terrascazi, which is a reference to a PlayStation 1 game that people d- did not like. <laughs> like it was, it's a weird uh, video game. Mara Jade is in it. It's like, you know, there's some expanded universe uh, Star Wars characters. You can be Luke, you can be Boba, you can be a Gamorrean. Uh, and there is like a little bit of legends, you know, like uh, lore about the martial art Terrace Kazi. I, I didn't have a PlayStation, so I only played this game at buddies' places. Nice. Um, but that was a great little. As far as Star Wars like Easter eggs go, or or whatever, uh, it it was a good one. I was stoked to hear about it. That's a deep being cut. being officially canon. Yeah, a deep cut reintroduced into the Disney canon. Yeah, that's a, that is a good deep cut because I had. I had no idea about that. See, I rely on you for all of the deep cut references. I'm I, my knowledge is not as extensive, I would say, of the Star Wars universe. Well, I, I have a weird pocket of knowledge that is all just totally outdated, non-canon, and mostly revolves around uh, video games and a few books of the era. So it makes sense. It's good when that's honored. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, ha ha. That... Since they threw it all out, since it, they yeah. took everything that I spent a lot of time reading because I wanted to be a good Star Wars nerd, and <laughs> they were like, "You stupid nerd! <laughs> this is all this, garbage. This doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> go home. Take your ball and go." home uh yeah i did like that with one fell swoop they're like 
Legends. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, all right. Um, all right, yeah, that's that's a good light side. Let me let me bounce some more light side energy here for a second. Uh, I there's something, and this is kind of a a bigger. It's not a specific point, but it's it's kind of a, an overall feel that exists. The Kira and Han relationship, I think, works really well in this movie. Just in terms of, like, it captures kind of, like, a youthful innocence about Han, like, a naivete that exists in him that, like, you see that transition throughout the film and starts to go to, like, who Han Solo is going to be and, and why he's maybe so, such a, you know, scruffy nerf herder. Um, but it, the way that that develops throughout the film, I thought worked really well. And I thought the, the chemistry between the two actors was actually really good. I, I agree with you, uh, BC. I, I was, although one of my, my dark side points is just the character of Kira. Um, because I didn't remember that she goes with them on the, through the main thrust of this movie. Like I, I didn't remember that, I guess, because like there's, she doesn't really have like character traits that are memorable uh, really at all. Um, you know, she's not like an archetype uh, to a degree that it sticks in my brain. But I do think their chemistry is good. I think she does a good job. I think I think all of that is true. The one thing I would really change is I don't know why she's from his youth. You know, like if it was just someone he met and fell in love with as part of the heist, I think it works better. Like one of the biggest breaking moments for me is like, why do you just run into the girl you've been looking for, like from your home planet on this? Like, I hate stuff like that in Star Wars. I'm tired of these paths crossing and you don't need it. Like you don't need it at all. They could have just met there. Um, But whatever, I get it. You know, the high school sweetheart, young love thing can be compelling to a degree i just want more reason why they cross paths again yeah and, oh what do you know <laughs> here we are oh it's you in again. this tiny universe in the star wars story what's what's yoda doing here um <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that that is a classic star wars thing to have happen it's like let's we know them we love them let's introduce characters that are in people's consciousness that exist in a giant galaxy that we happen to run into all the time um yeah, and I think to to piggyback off of that, one of my my dark side points again. This is a broader thing. Is there were famously production issues on this movie? Yeah. Um, Ron Howard was not the original director, so some of the stuff that's in this movie he did not direct. Um, and I, I I'd like to get a breakdown of what I is and love... isn't because I have a feeling that things he didn't direct are the things I like a lot or a lot of the things he didn't direct are things I like a lot. It would be really interesting if someone was like, this is his segment. This is the Miller and Lord segment of the movie. But it does feel the, uh, the overall feel of the movie to me is, is it kind of jolts you around the entire time, which is, is, okay for like we're adventuring here and we're adventuring here but the through line of everything it just feels like you're kind of getting jerked from one story to the other as you're going through this thing so you definitely feel kind of some of those issues that are going on in the movie it loses all of it loses that kind of overall vision that maybe just having one director not being replaced in the middle of it would 
would possibly have. Um, so it's just like, cause like I, you get the Corellia in the beginning, you get Han's escape, you've got Han and the empire, and then you've got the train heist with Beckett and his crew, which I think is light side for me. I love the train heist segment in this movie. And then, but like juxtaposing that with like the coaxium, the raw coaxium heist that like doesn't work as well for me because it feels like we got to jam a bunch of stuff into the coaxium heist that happens later in the movie with Wookiee liberation and droid liberation and all of this other stuff. It's like there's just so much going on in some of these segments that it would have been nice. It was like, let's pare some of this down a little bit so that the storytelling is a little smoother and cleaner. And I think maybe that would have happened if it was just the original directors as opposed right. to having to change in the middle of making a multi-million dollar movie. Uh, uh, it totally would serve the story better to have less stuff jammed in there. But my favorite parts of the movie are specifically like glimpses of the Star Wars universe that don't revolve around Han as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of my light side things here is my new favorite moment is there's a guy who looks vaguely like Dud Bolt. Uh, got like a a an alligator gar mouth who eats a card or eats his hand of cards when he loses at Savak and uh fantastic a plus best part of the movie but like in those segments where everything is jumbled and maybe misguided for being so are are also my favorite moments in the movie which are mostly like little background things here and there uh there there's like there's a lot of like um flavor sprinkled throughout this movie that is really good star wars flavoring you know what i mean when they're just yeah, like yeah. let's just dust a little star wars magic over in this corner here and you're like yeah that's nice it's like a very dark cloudy soup <laughs> very very <laughs> uh not desaturated film just uh contrast it's not even contrast it's just a, a messy dark soup with some star wars sparkly magic seasoning in there and that is what A.O. Scott should have written. <laughs> that is the review. Well, what you, what you got next, BC? I'll go light side again. The Gambler. The theme of The Gambler. I thought that that is one thing that I think works well throughout the movie. Is that, like, Han is a gambler. He's a risk taker. He's constantly taking chances. Even if things are not going to go his way. Like, I think they nail that part of of him specifically in this movie. Um, he's even got that line at the end. I mean, we see him literally gambling, right? Like, that's how uh-huh. we see him lose and win at Sabak. Um, we see him taking chances when he's escaping at the beginning. It's like, I'm going to get out of here. And then, you know, his little escape uh, yeah, little vehicle gets, uh... gets stuck. Um, but... I like that that shot. Yeah, way, it's a great like. There's a great physicality where it looks like it actually slams, and the actors were <laughs> maybe not expecting it. Yeah, and, and when it falls, or... yeah, and 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 I think that mixed with mixed the gambling thing mixed with the comedic tone is what kind of like it, this movie's light in a lot of ways. Like that, it yeah yeah. This maybe has the most like jokes in a Star Wars movie. I would venture to guess. Just in terms of really? like, do you think? Yeah, I guess so. I just watched Empire uh, recently, so like, there's a lot of C three PO in Empire, yeah, nice. like, and it is pretty funny. <laughs> like, there's a lot of funny stuff in Empire, 
but I think you're I, I think you you're probably right. I just feel like this one goes more out of its way to give more people moments of comedy. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, yeah, yeah, we've I got a right. we've yeah. got a comedic character. Like this movie leans into like Lando can be funny and Beckett can have a funny moment and Han yeah, can have less a funny... situational comedy yeah. and more like here's someone being saying a funny line. Yeah, and I I really like the humor that exists in it. And I think that may be more of the Miller and Lord direction that's in there as opposed to the the Ron Howard. I could be totally wrong. If Disney wants to contact us and let us know specifically, we would love to have a representative on to talk to us about that. Um, but the gambling, the gambler theme that, that runs through it, you know, I think works really well. It And it, and again, it, the way that it develops similarly to the relationship of, of Han being young, you know what I mean? And having that, that youthfulness and then working our way towards who he's going to become, how he's going to become a little, those edges are going to be a little rougher as opposed to like, we're going to win, we're going to do it. Because like, he's got that real like, we're going to win moment. You're like, dude, things are going to get rough for you. Um, you start to see where some of that that shine wears off of him a little bit, um, which I think, again, for for the character and for the actor who I think has been, he had a rough time, I think, on this production. Yeah, I don't know how you couldn't, you know. How, you, like, how, how do you surely live up to knew that? what he was signing up for to try to, you know, to be Han Solo. But yeah, I think he does a, a good job. Like, I don't have any ill will toward him. The only moment that I was mad, and this goes on my dark side, BC. Okay, get the dark side. Is there are many shots of him, and I don't know why they didn't just cut his hands out of the shot where he's flying the Millennium Falcon like he's driving a Jeep in an old war movie, you know, where it's just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, really fast sometimes, too, or is this back and forth. And it's like I it's, I was watching it. Uh, I was watching it with Figaro, my my SO, and I wasn't going to say anything about it. I was like, this is probably something you wouldn't notice. I'm just over here fuming for no reason. <laughs> and she was like, why is he flying the ship like that? Like, why, what is he doing? Why is he flying like Whee! everyone on a 90s TV show driving on a green screen? I'm driving. My, my guess is, my guess is a lot of that cockpit stuff was the first stuff they shot. And it was like, this will make you feel like Han. This will let you get settled um, in. You're sitting in the cockpit. And he's just nervous as hell going, <laughs> am I doing this right? Uh but yeah, I think he does a good job. Yeah, I, I think I think he does a good job too. But yeah, imagine, I mean, being offered the role of Han Solo has got to be like, yes. Like, that's got to be one of the biggest moments of any actor's career. And then the next thing is like, ah, crap. Harrison Ford's shadow is looming over everything I say and do on every take. So like, having to get out of like, having to free yourself of that in the face of like, all right, now this is a billion dollar franchise and no pressure. You're going to be Han Solo now. Um, and he's one of the most iconic characters in the history of cinema played by one of the biggest movie stars that and, like, we've ever seen. Charismatic performance. like, <laughs> like... But no pressure. You totally earned this role. Uh, you're just kind of like, man, the fact that he goes out and I think delivers is a is a credit to him. So shout out to Alden Ehrenreich. I think that's his name. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that I think that's it. I'm not super positive on that last name pronunciation, but I think we're close. Way to go. Way to go, Alden. We're proud of you. Um, 
I need to I need to give a light side. Um, I will give another very specific uh, light side right quick. Um, there is a moment during the droid liberation uh, scene where a gonk droid is somehow on top of a control panel, stomping the controls. Uh, sparks are flying everywhere. Uh, it's great. It's a delightful moment. Love love a good gonk droid. It leaves one to wonder how did he get up there. How do you get up yeah. there? Hey, what are you doing up there, Gunk Droid? <laughs> um, yeah, again, that sprinkle, that magic that's in there. This is this is that kind of stuff. I will say the droid liberation is is fine. It's fine. But to me, like th- that that entire coaxium high scene is like where I'm watching the movie and I kind of go, Oh, what's going on? Like I'm like, we're on the hunt for raw coaxium. I get that. It is it's our MacGuffin in the movie, right? It's it's valuable. We're going to get a lot of it, and then we're going to have a lot of money so we can do a lot of things. Hyperfuel. Yeah, we've got our hyperfuel so that we can do hyperfuel things, and, and we can pay back Dryden Voss. Dark side for me, Dryden Voss. Don't like him at all. Um, <laughs> but the, the, they are also getting the Wookiee, the, Wookie, the enslaved Wookiees freedom going on in there that the droid liberation is happening. That sequence... I think it looks really good. Yeah. That looks like they were shooting on a big, wide set, which is, like, not something we see a lot in Star Wars. Like, everything is confined by the volume. Yeah. So, like, even if there is space, like, characters are all close to each other yeah. if they're, like, being shot. No, there uh, there is a wide establishing shot in that sequence that I'm like, Star Wars. You know, like, yeah, you, yeah. Get, you get a little bit of the Falcon as they're, like, coming back to it. It's when they're, like running out of the yeah, whatever yeah. it is where you just see all of those like you see the droids you see chaos yeah. lasers are just going by people's heads as they're calmly shooting but, <laughs> like, it, but it, it looks built it looks real it doesn't have like that was a shot specifically where i was like oh that's a nice that's what i want star wars to look like is that shot yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. and i was like oh what a great establishing star wars shot because you again you get the you get the texture and the flavors of star wars within that shot that they they don't have to pull a lot of focus but it's all in there and it, it all feels very like actually kind of grounded for a space opera yeah yeah oh that's like so i like that but i also agree with you it's a huge mess and, and tied into that is l3 as a character is a mess to me because i i think i've expressed this at some point i like my droids to be archetypes like sure they can kind of have like human qualities but 3PO is a droid to me because although 3PO seems like a human in a lot of ways, you can predict basically how he's going to respond right. to almost anything. Right. Uh, the problem I have with L3 and K2SO are like, to me, they're just humans. And especially when we get a scene of L3 having girl talk with yeah. Kira. Yeah. And it's like, this is one of the most earthly conversations I've heard in Star Wars we're going to build an allegory to uh, civil rights and it's our character leading that charge is going to be a robot is, uh, I don't know. There's something that doesn't sit well with, with all that with me. And although one of the things I, I, again, I just watched empire strikes back when, you know, three PO is talking to the computer and is like, what a weird dialect, you know, your computer (laughs) has on. I now understand. I was like, "Oh, it's because L three talks like an Earthling, right? Like, like is the most Earthling character in Star Wars." Uh, so, I guess that's some excuse. But what, what do you feel about that, VC? Because I, I, I think a lot of it is funny, but it, it feels like 
I, mean, I don't know. It feels weird. I'm all, I'm all for Phoebe Waller Bridge. Uh, shout out Fleabag if anyone hasn't watched Fleabag. Uh, great, great performance. She's uh, amazing, and she's an amazing writer. I I do I the L I I I wish L three was more developed. Like the because this film feels like very kind of like I was saying disjointed, right? Like the first half we don't get like Lando and L three come into the movie, and you're like. I feel like we're in a new movie now or a new episode of television that some, yeah, something yeah. happens and then we're in here now. And then we're just like jumping into the world. And L3 is very like, I'm basically a person. I'm probably having sex with Lando. I have human complicated emotions about how I feel about him. And you're like, this is kind of strange. Like, I love the idea of, of droid liberation. It just comes, it just comes so far out of left field in the middle of so many other chaotic things that I'm like, cool idea but it's it's hardly developed at all to me yeah like, i would rather I, which is a shame because i do like i like all the weird lando sexual stuff like i love he calls like han sweetheart or something at some point but like during the card game there's kind of like a flirty moment with han that i like and i i really like the idea that like i don't know maybe he's maybe he's having a relationship with his robot like uh i think that's a i think that's a funny move I like it. I don't think anyone can contain the sexuality of Lando Calrissian, yeah, uh, yeah. which I love, <laughs> like in Star Wars, because everyone seems and it like makes a, him a less Ken and Barbie doll. In Empire, honestly, like there's something that's a little less creepy about him hitting on Leia. If it's just like, no, this truly is what he does with everyone. Yeah. Like he, he also is hitting on Han. <laughs> like Lando is a lover, and we all know it. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think Donald Glover does a fantastic job. Um, if not kind of uneven. Yes, that's what it is for me. It's like some scenes, it is dead on. Like, it feels like maybe he just had, like, a hit of a weed, you know? And it's like, it feels exactly right. And then other scenes, like, specifically when they come out to the Millennium Falcon, where it's, like, kind of overdone and way off. And that's probably down to, like, I'm sure they don't rehearse for anything, you know? Like, I'm sure they didn't get a lot of takes on, on stuff. But, yeah, I think he does do a really good job in, in places. Um, it's... And I mean, the energy he brings, I think, is right on. To me, there is something that, like, his his Billy D. Williams, like, there's times where you're like, he's nailing a Billy D. Williams. Right. That's like, what I mean. Like, yeah. he is 100% hitting, like, he sounds like Billy D. Williams. Yeah. And then there yeah. are times where it's, like, Donald Glover. And it's like, he's still good when he's Donald Glover playing Lando. But it feels like two different interpretations of the character, where it's like, oh, I would have, like... Either just do the Donald Glover Lando or or do the Billy D Lando. I I would like I would love to like scene by scene know which which scenes you like and don't don't like because I feel like when he's really trying to do the Billy D is when it's the worst and when it's kind of like overwrought. Whereas like when it feels like he's nailing Billy D to me is when he's a little more like chilled on all that. <laughs> like he'll a little less like whoa like the rounding of i can't do billy d williams it's <laughs> i think he's good casting i think he can do a great job uh i think mostly is a plus in this movie like yeah I, I think... i'm much more interested in in seeing him do lando than i'm interested in a han movie i would rather a lando movie than a han movie i think yeah i think that's right his story seems i don't know if i want to say more interesting that he's more interesting i like the mystery of han solo I like him being a mysterious, you know, smuggler, rogue, roguish kind of character that we don't have to 
to know all of these things about. Whereas Lando, it's like, let's let's do it. Let's do an adventure series with Lando. Like, let's see what his life is like just out there being Lando. Because um, I, I just feel more per, like, I don't know, protective of, of the Han Solo character. And like, well, we've gotten a lot more of Han too than we've gotten of yeah. There's Lando, yeah. yeah, we we do get more Lando in Rise of Skywalker, um, which surely oh baby, I can't wait. We will be discussing that. Might be the longest podcast ever recorded, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think my, one of my the another overall takeaway is, and I don't know if, how, how this falls, light side or dark side. Um, and it, it probably ties into something else that we talked about before. I think this works better as one of the the as either a, a Disney Plus show or like a comic book. You know what? Like yeah, in yeah. terms of like the episodic nature that that the film has, I feel like you you could have done this. This would have been as a Disney Plus show ten times better than Book of Boba Fett. And I think yeah, yeah, that was one of my watching this after just watching Book of Boba Fett. I was like, well, you know, this is better than that. I think yeah, <laughs> like I, as far I think, as like playing in the universe. Yeah, um, I, I think it's way better than that. I think they do. Hey, let's revisit a character. I think it's this is better than Book of Boba Fett, um, and it it does leave you wanting. I mean, it, it's definitely set up for a sequel. Like the the end of this movie is like. There could be more, and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it performed well enough for them to commit to another yeah. movie. But like, I wouldn't be mad if they're like, let's do six episodes of this. Let's show Han hooking up with, you know, the Huts. Let's show Kira going to Dathomir, you know, and let's yeah, ex- yeah. Ex- ex- let's explore that a little bit more. Uh, I would be upset just because I'd be like, man, can't we get the weird droid liberation show instead or whatever? Like, can't we have something weirder? But yeah, it, I would watch it and it'd probably be good. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, Rrr. yeah, and just be like, man, come on, Star Wars, go elsewhere. It, I think it just I think it would it would be easier to digest and have less pressure if it was a TV show as opposed to a Star Wars movie that we're going to put everywhere and has to make a hundred million dollars when it opens it's like let's just let's dial that back a little bit i think that was this was a big wake-up call for disney uh, right this like this was we can't you can't just put out a movie every year a <laughs> star wars every year it, like it absolutely too much it absolutely was i think rogue one performed well and, yeah and then but the, I think that is much more of a blockbuster. Like, the, talk about difference in stakes. Yeah, right? yes, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but this felt like uh, this was the we can do anything, right? And it felt like if you're a Disney executive, you're like a Han Solo movie. This is a slam dunk, and you're like, <laughs> okay, but maybe it's not as big of a slam dunk as you think it is, because I think this this put the brakes on everything. Because I think what book of boba fett was supposed to be was another sort of like star wars story type thing and then once this didn't perform as well it kind of got they're like "Mm, maybe we won't do a boba fett movie right now because because solo is not a shame it would have worked better as a movie yeah everyone would have gone and seen the boba Boba fett movie uh and also i think boba fett would have worked better as a movie (laughs) like you want to concentrate the budget on like a few high action scenes. Uh, Flip the productions of this and Book of Boba Fett, and I think both of them end up being more successful. 
I think if Book of Boba Fett is allowed to be a movie, that it's just called Boba Fett. We don't have to be the book of anything, and it doesn't have to tie into the Mandalorian. Like, I forgot about how stupid (laughs) the Book of Boba Fett, like, Alice is a title. Like, even before I knew there wasn't an actual book, what book made fun of the title? What book are we talking about? (laughs) It's like I've a never chapters. seen a book except for the ones Yoda burned. <laughs> the cha- there's chapters. We don't call them episodes. We call them chapters. So this is the book of Boba Fett. You're like, <laughs> what are we talking about? This makes no sense. Um, but I think if you do the tone and the scope and you you don't have to worry about the Disney Plus of everything with right. Boba Fett, I think that movie's dope. I think if you yeah. lean into all the Tuscan stuff and you make it a little little grittier, yeah, love it, fantastic. I think same thing with Solo. If you want to tie Solo into some of the Mandalorian stuff, where you're getting like crime syndicates and Kira and all that kind of stuff, because she was like widely rumored to be like one of the big cameos that's going to happen in Book of Boba Fett. And you're like, I don't, uh... I don't see it. Um, <laughs> I don't see that happening. But I think. I think if you just flip them, that they're both more successful. Uh, what a what a universe we could live in uh, if that were the case. Indeed, indeed. Um, I I do want to get past my biggest dark side uh, oh. right quick. Okay. Um, without you know without diagnosing plot or a million weird decisions, the the, the thing that works the least for me in this movie is the soundtrack. Mm. Uh, like I think I think. It's better than a lot of action movie soundtracks because it's relying on a lot of those Star Wars like kind of like constants. Yeah. But I don't like the way the music is re-recorded. Like I don't like the the orchestra the orchestration of this. Like it's a little too big. Like Star Wars is a little more brassy and sparse. Like you can feel the the lower budget of the orchestra. Mm-hmm. This is like way too shiny and it sits weird in the mix. Like I. I don't know. It just never is is powerful to me. Um, and there are some moments where it's sitting in a scene or starts kicking up in a scene where I'm just like, man, it would almost be better if you just turned it off instead. <laughs> like I don't. It doesn't do it for me. How, how did you feel about it? Similarly, it doesn't. In that, it doesn't stand out in a meaningful way to me in any way. I mean, part of the genius of the original score is that it's so iconic. Part of the downfall of that, some of the dark side of that, is that you can just be a lazy filmmaker and be like, just throw the, just throw the theme in there and change the tempo a little bit, and people will. We can just rely on that. It's like I think you need to do a little more heavy lifting than just being like, hey John, can you slow the pace down of this, or can you just change the mix of how this sounds briefly so that we can, you know, shoehorn this in. It's a it's a crutch, I think, in a lot of ways. I think, and I think it's really interesting the way that the animated shows use it because it's so sparse. Like they almost never because it's yeah, it's yeah. all new music. It's be important. <laughs> it's it is a very specific moment when they're like, "Here's the force theme," and you're like, "Whoa!" You know, like you have to earn those moments. And I felt like in this movie specifically, it did feel more like more of a crutch, like. We're in the Falcon, and the Falcon, and Han's finally flying the Falcon, and we'll play some old Star Wars music. And it's like, the Falcon stuff is cool, by its like by itself. Like just seeing the Falcon fly, I'm always gonna be like, yeah, like yeah. See- yeah I like the I like the way they they made the Falcon look like a ship that Lando would give a shit about. Yeah, like, I, I like the the shiny new Falcon is good. Yeah, I I think that's 
that will be probably my last my last light side is the falcon looks amazing i just we love we famously love the millennium falcon it's it's an amazing ship we've got a lot of affection for it i think they handle it well and the way that it also degrades as it moves into han's possession throughout the film is (laughs) perfect and fitting because as the shine is coming off of han it's also coming off of the falcon too so like there's a parallel between those two things um but the music when when han takes the reins like it, it it drew attention to itself for me and i was like mm, i don't know that we yeah. need to do that right now it's like here's this familiar theme you know but instead of it sounding like it's like yeah like it's weird it's weird it's because it's it's supposed to be like a triumphant moment right like han is han is flying the falcon and chewbacca just took the co-pilot seat you know what i mean you're like we're here we're doing it and it's like the music doesn't match the moment it doesn't fit that moment and it like it, it there is still the like it's the triumph because we're telling you to triumph like feel the triumph because we're playing the music that makes you know that you're supposed to feel triumphant i'm like yeah just just tried something else you know yeah because take, take a little risk because because the moment is cool in and of itself like han and chewie are flying the falcon amazing and they're like yeah now we're gonna give you some star Wars music and you're like just try something different but it, yeah but i guess not being big on risk taking in this probably was a certain thing that happened in the middle of production where they're like we need to not be so risky with this otherwise we're gonna lose a lot of money where's ron howard you know <laughs> yeah yeah <sighs> we need we uh, need this thing to go right down the middle which i think is it's to its fault yeah that's, yeah that's but on balance didn't do well. yeah but i and i think for this this may be the most that we've talked about things that we both like and then kind of dislike about a movie that there's a lot yeah. that we like and there's also a lot that we dislike but on the whole the balance of the force is like it's right down the middle like it it doesn't stray one way or the other it's just it's middle of the road like we haven't talked about so much like important stuff right like there's a lot more we could talk about there you know beckett darth maul all this stuff but like for the most part the reason why it's not like popping up is because it pretty sits evenly where i'm like yeah it's fine you know like yeah like beckett as uh, a character is is cool he's the yeah he's fine harrelson is good in the role it's i i like sense i would have liked to see the the beckett crew movie with him I and val would have much rather and seen, yeah beckett you know? and val movie cool. yeah that that i would that when she died early in the film and rio died like the, oh man yeah it's a shame to lose uh rio yeah uh, i'm like so early i'm like this this because the train heist i think is probably my favorite sequence like as an action sequence i'm like it's and we get the only music that is new and interesting in the movie like no there is new music like the 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 solo theme i think would be a good theme if it had again more of a driven brassy production of it instead of being like i think that's not a bad composition Um, yeah but yeah i love the infant's nests music yeah it's great it's cool big fan of infant's nest um yeah so i mean to me on this movie sits it's balanced it's a balanced movie it's fine and satisfying uh ending 
if you're gonna do a fan like callback, uh, I do like the movie ending with Han shooting Beckett. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's good. It's a it's a nice. As far as fan servicey stuff goes, I'm like, oh, it's satisfying. It's always it's always satisfying when a hero actually shoots <laughs> like the the guy who's who's talking to. Let them me villain talk sort of... you, and you're like, no, just shoot yeah. him. Yeah. Shoot him with your gun. <laughs> don't let yeah, don't yeah. let him talk anymore. Shoot him. He's betrayed you now. Yeah, I think as there's, I feel like there's a lot of fan service in this movie. I think that's the best one. I think it it works yeah. the best. I think the Darth Maul is definitely fan service and was definitely setting up. Hey, we can do more of these where we can have Darth Maul and Dathomir and Kira and all this kind of stuff that obviously is seems like has probably gone the way of the Dodo Bird for now. Um, that is the most interesting thing about all these weird little projects now is we are living in a world where Disney is probably going to milk this for the rest of our lifetimes. Uh, so, like, who is going to show up again and when? You know, who who else is going to have a 40-year hiatus and then pop back up yeah. as, like, someone who's too old to be in a movie? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's the way it's gonna work until we're dead. Uh, I'm almost positive. <laughs> <That's> right, <baby. laughs> Let's go. Let's take them we're to the grave. We're gonna be unpacking it all in the cargo bay until That's right. we pass away. Yeah. <laughs> they brought back that stomping gunk droid. He's got his own series. <laughs> he just stomps on things. Gonk stompers. <laughs> uh, gonk stompers is a great band name. I think we're gonna have to <laughs> claim that when the cargo bay launches its own record label. We'll get the gunk stompers <laughs> as our first act. Um, Heck yeah. I feel pretty good about the balance of the force. Is there anything else that you, you want to add to the balance yeah, of the force? There always is, BC, but we got to get out of here or else our supervisor is going to be on our, our hindquarters. going to have our hindquarters. So let's ju- <laughs> let's jump into the final judgments. Are we, uh, are we sending Solo, a Star Wars story, to the trash compactor? Are we going to sell it to the Jawas for parts? Keep keep some of those spare credits, or keeping it forever in the cargo hold. BC for me, <laughs> if this were a movie not about Han Solo, if this were somehow exactly the same and was about a character less important to me, I might I might keep it in the cargo hold forever. Um, but as it is, Han, I don't really need I don't really need all this backstory. It, it doesn't really fit my headcanon for the character. It's not not how I imagined yeah. uh, stuff going down necessarily. But there is a lot in here I like, so I'm gonna, I would sell this for parts. Let's let's get the good stuff out and uh, see what can be made of it. I agree. I think... Definitely not compacting it, though. No, I, I definitely don't feel like we need to send it to the trash compactor. Um, and I agree. I think selling it for parts, the, the stuff that we do like, I think is worth keeping. But it is a movie that I don't feel like revisiting that often which i think speaks to to some of the uh disparity that exists in it so let's let's keep what we like let's let's sell the rest to the jawas i say and now i'm very interested in this who is your recipient of the ewan mcgregor award this award we give to the person who is carrying the is uplifting the film the most through through being there in their performance and you know it it might be uh, Rio for me, except Rio dies so Damn. quickly. He's not around to uh, to save the day. Um, and, you know, I, significantly, truly significantly, the, the movie is uplifted greatly by that that guy who eats his hand of cards. <laughs> like that <laughs> makes me really happy. 
But I think you have to give it to uh, to old uh, Alden Aaron uh, Reich Aaron. Uh, yeah, yeah, Alden. I, I think for the we're on a first name basis as it is. Um, he's he's doing a good he's doing good work. You know, he's, I can't imagine someone doing a much better job than he did. He, uh, I think you should focus less on the look. Like there are certain angles where like you're like, oh, if you shoot him from right here, he looks exactly like Harrison Ford. Yeah, like <laughs> up and above a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's weird that he was cast as Han Solo. It's weird that anybody was. But, you know, good good on him for... I think the movie is more watchable for him being in it as opposed to someone else. So I agree. I agree. Uh, I am going to give my honorable mention Ewan McGregor Award to Woody Harrelson's hairstylist, uh, <laughs> who often earns uh, the Ewan McGregor Award whenever they work with Woody Harrelson. Because they are doing work. So good for them. Uh, so let's go into personal rankings. So as we watch... Wait, wait, wait. That is your official... I think... Full, I think that's not just your honorable mention. That is the Ewan McGregor Award. Well, I, I agree with your it's Alden. It's going to the hairstylist. I agree with your Alden Aaron oh, okay. rank take. I think that's right. But I do think that they deserve an, an honorable mention for the Ewan McGregor Award. So we can just give them the McGregor Award. Um, for this, <laughs> yeah, um, awesome. So let's do let's do our personal ranking. So as we watch the Star Wars movies, we put them in order of our favorite to our not as favorite. Uh, and so my personal rankings so far, as it stands, I've got uh, Revenge of the Sith in my number one spot. I've got Phantom Menace two. I've got Attack of the Clones three, and I think. I am going to put Solo at the bottom of my list. I do think it sits as four. I would, I would, and I do revisit the prequel trilogy with with more uh, excitement than I do Solo uh, every time. So I think for for that reason, I'm going to put Solo uh, at the bottom of my list. Uh, I'm right with you, BC. Uh, it's gonna gonna live at the bottom of my list, but I would never defend um, episode two or or one as like objectively better films. I just again, yeah, I I've got a lot of nostalgia for the the prequels, and that's why these are our personal rankings and not our critical film our film critic official A O Scott rankings. Um, that's right that's right so we get to we get to order these however we like to uh and again my my rankings are now episode three episode two episode one solo yep so uh no hard feelings solo you, you you're just at the bottom of the list uh at the moment so yeah there's our our personal rankings job well done do you hear that pbdo get the uh the google nava computer on board we got to get out of here <laughs> <laughs> that's right we use google uh the google suite of products that's right here here on the starship um not by choice uh out of just, necessity you know, what, what most generic starships default to yep. these days yeah it comes with the ship so <laughs> thanks thanks for tuning in everybody may the force be with you we'll talk to you next week and you'll listen Be-bom. that's right <laughs> all right later y'all bye